You're listening to BGO Blind Pig, BGO's official roundtable discussion of all things D.C. football. Come pull up a chair, pour a libation of your choosing, and join in some passionate D.C. football debate. BGO, a burgundy and gold obsession, is the most passionate, intelligent community of Washington football fans on the web since 2009. Join us at www.bgobsession.com. All right, welcome back, gentlemen. Uh, this is yet another episode of The Blind Pig, but it's kind of a new episode of The Blind Pig, if I could say that, because we're finally into the uh, the first week of the regular season. We're actually going to break down some some football instead of uh, guessing draft sleepers and uh, late-round picks and, and who we should have drafted versus who we didn't. Um, for those of you guys out there listening, all the uh, ones or tens of you, uh, I'm sure that you guys have subscribed <laughs> to us. We're likely going to hold one of these once a week. Uh, next week, we will be likely holding it Monday night because we have a Thursday night game. And by the time I get it uploaded, it's kind of late in the evening. So doing it Wednesday would make it would limit the exposure, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, for those, if anybody's new to this, we are a part of bgobsession.com. Um one of the best member message boards following the uh, everything Washington football team. Uh, as you can see, Paul's flag is in the mail. So don't think he's been left off the um, <laughs> left off the list. He's just north of the border. So there's some complications. Uh, without further ado, uh, usually I like to start this thing off with kind of a, not a curveball, but a, a subject that we haven't really had a chance to research. And then we'll get into the chargers, but I want to throw it out there. Open table. End of the preseason, we broke down the preseason. We broke down what we thought the roster was going to look like. We broke down what we thought this team was going to look like. What's your guys' reaction after the preseason is done? We've got a 53-man roster. Well, 52 and Curtis Samuel with one leg. And uh, what do you guys think? How do you feel about the uh, preseason and where we went? I think our draft is looking pretty good at this point. Um, of course, we don't know, but – uh, I don't think there's been any players that we drafted <clears throat> that we have been disappointed in. I mean, for God's sake, the guys we didn't draft like Jarrett uh, Patterson has looked phenomenal. He's probably the most impressive guy uh, in the whole preseason. I think Diami Brown has looked really, really good. Sam Cosme, uh, yeah, I think the first couple of reports we got where he looked clueless and then all of a sudden he looks, he looks like he's getting it going. So um, that to me is the biggest takeaway is that, you know, the guys that we, the young guys that we added um, look like we made good decisions and made our team um, faster, stronger, and better. That's my takeaway. I tend to look at preseason less for individuals. If someone stands out, that's a big deal, obviously. I love that Jarrett Patterson made the team. Um, I just tend to look for large signals and something that I'll be looking for to see if it carries over among the good things. I thought the defense swarmed and looked like they hadn't missed a beat. And that was true pretty much for all, for all three levels of the, of starters and the twos and the threes, the defense played well. I thought the running game looked pretty competent. The one lingering concern I have is I thought pass protection was bad from jump all the way through each of the preseason games at every level. I'm a little concerned if there's carryover there. And we have a huge question mark at quarterback, you know, for the last 20 years. But Fitz may be this, he may be that. We won't know from week to week, I think, with that guy. So um, I came out, I guess, if I had to grade it as about a C, maybe a C plus for a preseason and wipe it clean because none of it meant anything. I didn't get to see 12 quarters of football. Um, You know, I think I saw – pretty much all of the first one. And then I saw bits and pieces of the second game. I didn't bother with the third one at all because I figured the third one was probably this year's version of last year's fourth one. And we all know what the fourth (laughs) one was worth in the old format, right? You didn't miss much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, um, well, I will say though, it was our bubble players against their starters. So for all the people that are critical about that last game, let's keep reality. Sure. But, uh, you know, what I saw was the expected vanilla, you know, so I guess I was kind of looking at one-on-one type things and, you know, who's, who's taking their man and just beating their man straight up. And 
I'm not quite as worried about the pass protection as, as Mark was talking about a second ago. Yeah. I mean, I see what he's talking about, but you know, we don't game plan those things. We're not paying attention to what the other team is doing. They're lining up and running specific plays to see what guys know and what guys can do. And really what guys can do when there isn't a game plan, because if you're a guy that can do it without a game plan, now we can build something around that. So, you know, I, I think we, we don't, I don't know how much we know at this point, to be completely honest with you. I think we'll, I think we'll find out a whole lot more by the end of quarter one on Monday than we've figured out in three games in the preseason is kind of how I, kind of how I'm looking at it. I am a little worried about the quarterback situation. All we heard you know, was how Fitz was connecting with his receivers. And uh, I didn't see it when he was on the field, but who knows, you know, maybe they're just goofing off until the real stuff starts. So Bob, you had mentioned the idea of there being a lot of unknowns. Um, And to tag on to that point, one of the things that I wanted to see in the preseason was how this receiver group was going to step up. And you know, you hear all the reports about Curtis Samuel. It doesn't look like the guy's going to get on the field. You subtract him from that wide receiver depth chart. I think there's a lot of unknowns behind Terry McLaurin. I wanted to see guys like Humphreys, Deami Brown, make a big impact in the preseason. And yes, sure, we saw a few flashes here and there. I think Brown made a big catch against the uh, Bengals, if I'm not mistaken. But for me going into the season, I wanted to see someone really, you know, uh, grab the bull by the horn, so to speak, from a receiver group. And I'm not sure I saw that and how that translates into the season. It, it could be a point of concern for us moving forward. It's hard though, right, to judge a receiver in preseason because you got to have someone throwing the ball on a yeah. to get, have a I, chance to make a play. I was a little concerned that they let Harmon go. And I know Harmon wasn't their guy. You know, he was here when they came and he was hurt when they came. And um, and I'm sure they evaluated him fairly and everything. But he was one of the few guys that has a recorded history of catching a bunch of balls and and being competent. So I don't know what drove that, um, but I kind of have this little twinge of I hope we're right about keeping some of the guys on the that were on the bubble. Um, because we let a pretty decent receiver go. Um, but well, I guess we'll find out. Did you, did you see the, the, I'm sure everybody probably noticed that they announced the captains, what yesterday and McLaren and Logan Thomas, both captains on this team. Yeah. And Brandon Scherf, you know what that's all about, right? Yeah. Hey, Brandon, we love you. We made yeah. you a captain. <laughs> But Allen's Allen also Allen's in there, and Everett Everett's still a special Bostic. teams guy. Bostic's hmm? in there, a bunch of them. Yep. Um, Eric, what overall, was you, what was what was your preseason take? Yeah. Eric. My overall look, look. I'm gonna I'm gonna prerequisite a lot of negative with the overall. I understand the preseason is like a spring training pitcher learning, throwing 19 sliders in a row and nine of them ending up over the center field fence simply because he wants to get a feel for it and see how it plays. So I get that. But I saw nothing to lead me to believe that this offense is going to be any different than it was last year. We hope it is. I think it will be. We have more weapons. If we get – if we get low twenties to low or low teens to high twenties quarterback production, this team is vastly improved to what it was last year. But I was watching overthrown passes and I was watching bad pass protection. And I was watching Jarrett Patterson running into the back end of his guard for four plays and him having to make three or four athletic plays in order to get a 20 plus yard run, as opposed to, the gaping holes that you want to see when your offense, when it's man on man, I'm bigger and stronger than you. I'm going to beat you because this is my job to beat you. I don't I know it. that I, I need got to a comment on one thing you said, Derek, you were talking about Fitzpatrick overthrowing receivers. And I was having Kirk cousins flashbacks because that was the thing that always drove me crazy about cousins is you could count on him at least for a quarter missing two or three down long downfield uh, throws to wide open receivers because he could not control his adrenaline. 
And he almost always settled down later in the game, but it, it used to drive me crazy. And I don't know if it struck you guys, but in the second game, Fitzpatrick missed at least two touchdowns because he could not calm down. One, one of them that was surprised to, me for a veteran, you know, the guy that's yeah. supposed to be Mr. Ice. One was to Logan Thomas, who was, who was in NFL standards was wide open. He was two steps on his guy. There was nobody over the top. And it was, he was at the goal line when the ball was in the air and there was nobody between him and the goalpost. I mean, that's a touchdown pass. That should be a touchdown pass 10 times out of 10 by an NFL quarterback. And I'm not saying Fitzpatrick's not an NFL quarterback. I guess my bigger point is we saw – forget the game planning. Forget, forget prepping for the Bengals and the Patriots. Forget prepping for the Ravens. Forget all of that. Fitzpatrick was missing receivers, and he didn't touch the field in the third game. Tom Brady threw two touchdowns in the third game. Josh Allen threw for 150 yards in the third game. Pat Mahomes threw two touchdowns in his third game. Those are three MVP caliber players who are not in the first year of an offense, who have proven at the highest level that they can do it on a consistent basis, all three of which played on championship weekend last year, and none of which have to learn a new offense with new players. So I guess my biggest level of frustration was we didn't see Fitz in the third game, and I don't get why. You're risking injury? Fitzpatrick's a stopgap. Like, what do you? Not that I'm saying his leg isn't important. Like, got it. You don't want him to get hurt, but our season doesn't hinge on Fitzpatrick. Our season hinges on our defense. So if something freak happens, that you write that off, and that is what it is. Unfortunately, it's more valuable for him to have those reps, in my opinion. Play a half. Play three or four drives. Something. It doesn't. Even, you don't need McLaurin on the field. You don't need Gibson on the field but something so that that offense can get game reps. Now, that's my frustration. Um, I guess I didn't like the way preseason went. I even commented on the when we were in chat on bgobsession.com, Sunday game chats. Uh, I even commented that Samus Reyes got his first target midway through the third quarter of the third preseason game. If there's somebody you should force feed the hell out of, when we're talking about bubble players to see how they're going to react and how they're going to play, that guy would be getting a pass every third third play into my play, playbook. Well, I guess, Derek, that what all I can say in, in response to this is Ron and Scott Turner had different ideas about what they wanted to look at. And that's fair. And in Ron's trust. We I unfortunately don't know what they were wanting to look at and what the call was supposed to be and what adjustments were made, yada, yada. And I think the real takeaway for me through all this is preseason doesn't mean a damn thing in terms of what's coming next. It, it doesn't, but it sure as hell is nicer when we look good. <laughs> because and I don't, it, just, it just fires up all our internal. You know, we need to stop playing. Time. We need to stop playing the Ravens in the last game of the preseason because yeah. they clearly care. What I saw them doing and running reverses and doing stuff that they were game planning. Like, it was kind of silly. What and so, I guess if look, we I, I get that, and in it, to a to a point in Ron, we trust. I get it, and I agree with it. Don't risk it. It's not that important. If if we've got our franchise quarterback, sit him. If you know he's going to be ready for Week One, that's fine. But I, I I here's my point. How many years have we started slow? Last year, we had eight sacks against the Eagles. And if it wasn't for eight sacks, we're not winning that game. We better not start slow. If you're going to sit in – and this isn't some line in the sand against Ron. You know, he's forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. But I guess my point is I'm going to feel real uneasy if we have another slow start. Even if we win against the Chargers, if we find a way to win 13-10 to 10 or something and the offense looks inept, and then we're going into a short week against the Giants, like who have a decent defense, who are, you know, another NFC East team. That that that's going to just be concerning, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope things work out. I hope I hope we come out guns blazing. I, I just I just haven't seen anything to make me believe it's going to happen yet. Oh, I'm I'm a believer in the old in the old days and the old ways. I still remember the Super Bowl year that. Gibbs lost every single preseason game and not by a little bit either. And we all, and we, 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 we all groused. I mean, every fan I knew was like, Oh, this is going to be the worst season ever. And, <clears throat> and then it was the best season ever. And, and so 
I kind of like those years where we look horrible all during preseason because I feel like it bodes well. The problem is it's been a long time since we looked better than horrible. <laughs> I, I, I don't even care wins or losses. I want to see a drive. You know, I want to see the first team offense drive down the field and then you can look and say that is what they're capable of. We and had some not, moments. We had some moments. It, we didn't finish anything. We didn't finish any drives. Right. The defense looked good. And I, again, I, I'm going to finish this on a positive note. I saw a lot of good things coming out of this team. Some surprises. When we have guys walking the street right now who were starting games for us last year at wide receiver, at linebacker. So that's a positive. That's a net positive. Not that they're walking the street. I don't hope anybody gets fired. But more the fact that we've brought in enough talent in a short period of time that not only did they tumble down the depth chart, they tumbled off of it. And there's four or five guys who can take their place and they can move on. Yeah. So. Anyway. Gee, I wonder, I wonder who we have first up to see what our team's all about. I think nice little segue, Mark, but I think this is going to be an interesting test. And I'm going to throw out a point to you guys. Obviously we have the chargers coming up this weekend on Sunday. Um, I don't know how you guys want to do this. Do you want to have a little discussion? And then at the end of these things, we just kind of make a prediction or, or do we leave it all to a conversation? Do we even want to go on record for any of this? Cause, or we could just go back to the uh, schedule, the, the, the schedule preseason schedule in a nutshell, where we pick game by game, record by record and hold it to each other. Uh, I think we got it. I think we've got it say what we think is going to happen at the end that that's the only reason for anyone to stick around that's true so chargers what stands out to you guys what do you like what do you what do you not like where do we go from here what are we going to see sunday so you know i'm always going to jump in first because it you know that's what i do i want to talk about the coaching staff because and the reason i want to talk not our coaching staff the chargers coaching staff because i don't really hear a lot uh I don't hear it being discussed a lot out there on social media. I mean, people reference that they've got a new coaching staff, but they're also penciled in as a playoff team. Um, You know, they had Anthony Lynn, who was their coach for four years. I'm surprised they fired the guy. I mean, I know. uh, So in four years, without getting too much into the weeds, he won nine games his first season, which, by the way, is two more than we won last year, right? He won 12 games and took him to the playoffs his second year with Philip Rivers on um, oxygen and crutches. And, you know, and then last year they won, I think, five of their last eight games and four of the, the last four games, they won all of them with a new quarterback. So that just kind of blows me away that they dumped the guy. Um, but that, I guess that's the way the NFL is. Then they bring in Brandon Staley, who has only been, he's been a linebackers coach for three years and has one season of experience as the Rams defensive coordinator. So now maybe he's, I hear a lot of Sean McVay comparisons. Maybe, maybe, I mean, he's, he's a white guy. He's smart. I don't know what is that. I think everyone gets compared to Sean McVay now. He's young. He's not Sean McVay. And uh, I'm just, I don't know, man, that's that to me, I'd be, I'd be a little nervous about that. If I was, um, if I was a Chargers fan and you're also taking a rookie quarterback and asking them to do a third offense in three seasons, you know, from college to his first, offense last season and now you're asking them to to run um joe lombardi's offense who um, is another guy the new offensive coordinator he's been a, a oc for two years with the lions but then he's been a quarterback's coach for the last five years so he with the saints so he hasn't even been a coordinator for what for five years uh and then they also brought in ronaldo hill who it's his first defensive coordinator gig he was a linebacker or defensive backs coach for miami and denver so I don't know. To me, that's the big elephant in the room is I'm not saying you can't pull it all together and win with a bunch of new coaches. But, man, I think it's pretty hard to do that in the NFL. I really do. And now you could you could run that same argument back at us. Wow, we've got our staff's been together for a year. <laughs> but, yeah, but our staff has multiple years of head coaching experience. Del Rio has head coaching and many years of successful defensive coordinating. So when I was looking at the Chargers, John, to, to, to carry what you were saying forward, um, 
I was feeling all I could, all I was really thinking about was Justin Herb, Justin Herbert, that this is the guy and that's the big difference. And I came and looked at the coaching staffs. Not only is their head coach uh, had one year as a coordinator in the NFL, at the NFL level and that was with the Rams last year. And he had the number one defense in football and he did great with, you know, Aaron Donald and, and a pretty strong cast of characters, but the three years that he was, before that, in the NFL, his other three years of NFL experience are as an outside linebackers coach with Denver and Chicago. That's it. So he basically got a head coaching job based on one really good year as a defensive coordinator with a really talented team. He may be great, but there's not a lot there. And Lombardi, Lombardi's was um, his two years in Denver and Detroit back in 14 and 15 were with Matt Stafford and Calvin Johnson those offenses finished in the bottom half of the league and he left there to go back to new Orleans for five more of his 10 years as a quarterbacks coach in new Orleans, 10 years. Um, this is not a guy with a lot of experience either. And Ronaldo Hill, like you said, he is uh, three years in the NFL as a secondary coach. That's it. So if, if by the end of the year, maybe these guys have got their act together as an opening day, resume for your coaching staff if you're checking boxes like they used to do on cbs irv cross and those guys on which coaching we get wft gets the big check mark on coaching so i'll say this is a little bit excuse me as a little bit of a counter argument um in regards to uh brandon staley so last year uh mark you mentioned that you know he uh controlled the rams defense you know, oversaw that defense and granted they have some world-class players and Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Um, but Brandon Staley a year ago uh, just basically demolished Scott Turner. Uh, nobody really talks about it, but you think back to that game that we played uh, the Rams a year ago, we probably had our ugliest game offensively on the season. I think we got maybe 110 yards of offense if we were lucky. I think we rushed for under 40 yards. We didn't even throw for 100 yards in the air. quarterbacking in that one, Paul? Well, I, I I'm think... Saying, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm asking, honestly. Did Kyle Allen not start that game? And I feel like Alex Smith came in. That, that's when he made his return. Okay. Um, but regardless, I mean, we averaged 2.1 yards per play in that game. Um, I'm, I'm staring at Scott Turner in this game. And for him... This should be a revenge game. I, I think it's going to show a lot about who Scott Turner is, if he has that ability to adjust. Can he adapt and be innovative? Because you know that Brandon Staley is going to implement a lot of the same things that he likely did against us a year ago. And, you know, can Turner turn it around? That's what I want to look at. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We want to make sure that you don't miss out on any future BGO Blind Pig podcasts. On our YouTube channel, simply hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to BGO Blind Pig via Apple Podcasts or another podcast provider, go to our description page and click that follow button. And it's not like he's got no-name guys to work with it with the chargers either i mean granted this wasn't a you know this wasn't a top two or top three defense last year but it also wasn't you know dead last in the league bosa is not a not a small threat by any stretch of the imagination and if i remember correctly he plays on the right hand side of that defense which means we got a rookie trying to handle him am i, am I wrong in that uh he's listed weak side i mean take yeah, that for what so that would be cosme Right. So we're going to find out a lot about Sam this week, but we're also going to, you're right. We're going to find out a lot about Scott Turner. Is Scott going to leave Sam out there on a, on an Island and expect him to handle that? Um, are the chargers going to game plan to try and beat that intentionally? I would assume so. And They're going to try to confuse, they'll try to confuse him and throw stunts and all yeah. kinds of, all yeah. kinds of things at him. Yeah. If I'm the opposing defensive coordinator, I look at a, a rookie right tackle and go, we're going we're gonna to try that early, and if it works, we're going to do it often until they figure out how to beat it, and we're going to do something else, but, you know. They have a rookie tackle, too, on the left side coming into this one. <laughs> Slater, right, Rashawn Slater. 
Your first round draft. Pick. Yep, his mm -hmm. his first first at bat is against Chase Young. Welcome to the NFL, Mr. And well, Jack Del Rio, who will be scheming that up too. Oh, you know, yeah. And I don't know if they'll start him, but they also have Asante Samuel. Out, you know, I presume he'll be a starter. I, I'm not. I haven't seen He's that listed as a, uh, as the second guy behind but, Chris Harris. Yeah, but he'll yeah he'll be on the field plenty. So, one thing that I haven't heard mentioned yet, because we've been talking coaching, and this will kind of be a part of that. But something nobody's talking about, and I don't understand why nobody's talking about this. Justin Herbert played as many downs in the preseason as I did. And he's a second-year quarterback in a new offense, a new offense. with a defensive-minded coach who showed flashes last year. But, yes, he looked good, but I'm not going to sit here and say he – had some level of control within the offense that you could literally go into a season with him not taking a single snap and be confident that he's going to be ready. I didn't see any discussion on why that was. It was, is there Intel on why it's, they chose not to play him at all? So, Well, they had, I think they had big injuries last year in the off season. So that could be part of it, but uh, he's not the only one. I, I saw that. I actually wrote him down. Derwin James did not play a down. Mm -hmm. Eckler, who's apparently maybe questionable, gimpy. and he's he, questionable. He, he did not play a down. Corey Lindsley did not play a preseason down. Brian Beluga did not play a preseason down. Linville Joseph did not play a preseason down. And Jared Cook did not play a preseason These down. These are all starters in a new scheme. Didn't well, get any game time. Well, we assume starters. Well, they're depth as the starter, yeah. I mean, I'd be okay if Herbert wasn't a starter. Well, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't talking about Herbert, but yeah. Eckler, yeah, Eckler's a starter. I'm looking at uh, Beluga. Belaga's a starter. He he was actually a full participant today in practice, but he has been nursing a groin injury. So you've got a rookie on the left side, and then a guy with a groin injury on the right side. Trying, you know, and then you've got Chase Young and Montez Sweat looking down the barrel. The, the biggest concern out West, I, I may or may not have spent a little time looking at Chargers message boards earlier today. The overwhelming concern among their fans is the offensive line. There's, they're starting four out of five new guys. Mm -hmm. And the fifth guy is Bulaga, who's coming back off injury. And to a man, everyone is saying, if that guy goes down and we have to start shuffling pieces, we're in big trouble. Um, okay. I, I think at this point in time, no matter who you are in the NFL, you look at a game against the football team and you go, I'm worried about my offensive line. <laughs> you know, how many years has it been since we could say that? But, you know, let's face it, the, the, the strength of this team is the front four. And, and actually, I think you can probably get away with saying the strength of this team is the front six, because even when we swap out our starting tackles for, for the three and four guy, we're not giving up a lot. You know, Ionitis and Settle could start for a lot of teams in this league. Mm -hmm. And and we're if you're if you're an opposing fan and you're not taking that seriously and you're not wondering if your offensive line is going to be able to handle it, I don't care whose offensive line we're talking about. You're not a football, you're not a student of the game. And that's I think that's where it all hinges. So now I come back again, your quarterback working with four out of five new starters on the O-line in a new system, who's calling the uh, protections against a top three or four defensive line in the league? Who's, who's adjusting your, your – you know what I mean? If there's a blitz on a corner, like where's that coming from? Where are you practicing this in real time? Yeah. Something I heard about on the radio also that's not being talked about. Justin Herbert has also played in front of – the same number of NFL fans as I have. <laughs> oh. Last season, he played in empty stadiums. This is true. This year, he has ne he has never yeah. played in front of an NFL crowd. So those cardboard cutouts were brutal last year. Oh, man. it's nuts! You don't know <laughs> all three all, all yeah all three thousand fans that were allowed into the stadium <laughs> at the end of last year. So again, I come back and I wonder, and it's similar to the approach that Ron had, and I asked the same questions. What are you thinking? You're going to throw this guy in front of this defensive line for the first time in front of an NFL crowd in an NFL stadium 
with a new offense, four new offensive linemen, possibly your best playmaker not on the field. You could argue between him and Keenan Allen with Eckler. I mean, that's a little that's so a gamble. One positive, one positive about their O-line, just to kind of balance what we're talking about, they did only have one, I think, one really big offseason signing, um, free agency signing, and that was uh, Corey Lindsley, who's like the greatest center of all time from the Packers. So they did they did add like a major talent right there in the middle of their line. But I agree with you overall. It's like uh, the, the other thing is, despite um, how great Herbert looked last year and all the records he set, and he did set a bunch of them, um, he did get sacked 32 times. So it's not like he's – uh, Mr. Escapability back there. He has a lot of talent, but that's that's a pretty healthy number of sacks. And I think the concerning thing, if I was his offensive uh, coordinator or quarterbacks coach, he uh, fumbled the ball eight times, um, which again, that's that's more than you want to see um, when you have other issues. You know, if they if they start losing uh, the ball, it's going to be a long day for him on on Sunday. He's, so, he's, go ahead, Paul. Oh, okay. Thank you. So what I'm hearing from you guys and just hearing a back and forth is this offensive line and to a certain extent, Herbert are ripe for the picking. Um, but one thing I just want to throw out there uh, and err on the side of caution. I love our defensive line, but the fact is you're only as good as your last game. And you think back to our last game last January against Tampa Bay, they schooled our defensive line. Um, you know, our, our defensive line, I hope that they have a really, really bitter taste in their mouth from that game. I think that, that taught them a little bit of a lesson that they still got a ways to go. Um, you know, and with a right, with an offensive line, that's, you know, new is going to need some time to gel there with the chargers. Um, this D line better be hungry and, they better prove to us on Sunday that they are what we all think they are. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, if you enjoy the BGO Blind Pig podcast, you may enjoy the video version. Visit YouTube and search BGO Blind Pig to access over 100 previous episodes. However you enjoy BGO Blind Pig, we thank you for listening. Paul, that kind of that goes really well into one one of my notes that I wrote down here that I wanted to be sure to mention was if I have my biggest concern as a Washington fan in this game is or one of the the best thing we have going for us is our defensive line. They're going to get pressure and they're going to make him move and they are going to force Herbert to go off schedule. That's the good news. The bad news is he made hay last year. That's what he did. He was an off schedule guy. He didn't kill. He didn't kill people standing in the pocket. He killed people moving around, waiting for the defense to break down and going downfield. He is elusive. He's six six two forty and runs. I mean, he's he's Cam Newton, right? With 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 a quarterback's brain. And I, I love me some Cam, but um, that's that's the big worry to me. Herbert is the wild card in this. I don't know if it's going to carry over. He he could turn out to be Josh Allen year three. Or he could turn out to be Josh Allen year two, which was not the same thing. Josh Allen took a big step back his second year. Yeah, all he needs in 2021, I read on Twitter today, uh, if he has two 300-yard games, he ties Patrick Mahomes and I think Dan Marino for the most 300-yard games in his first two seasons ever. So you know, I mean, he had a ton of them last year. That's pretty incredible going into a season, and all you've got to do is throw – for 300 yards twice to set the all-time NFL record. I mean, that tells you the guy was really unbelievable. I mean, he was a rookie of the year, so obviously he was unbelievable. But, um, I mean, he can definitely throw the ball. And he's got – one thing we haven't really talked about is they have some of the best skill position players on any offense. I mean, they've got um, Eckler and I think Justin Jackson's their backup running back, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, um, Jared Cook and Donald Parham. I mean, they have some um, really good targets, offensive weapons for him to for him to use. What jumped out at me, just glancing at the stats from last season, he didn't have a favorite. They didn't have a they didn't have a thousand yard rusher. They didn't have a thousand yard receiver. 
He is spreading the ball around. It's whoever is open. It's whoever's doing the work. So it's not like Jack Del Rio is going to be able to walk into the defensive conference room tomorrow and go, we're taking this guy out of the game, and that's going to solve a lot of our problems. There is no this guy for this offense. You know, I, it, it looked to me just glancing at stats, and granted, stats lie to me all the time. But, but just glancing at the stats, it looked to me like Herbert doesn't care. We can take Keenan Allen out of the game, and he's going to go find two, three, four of these other guys for, for great numbers all day long until we start focusing on somebody else, and then he's going to find Keenan Allen for that one really nice strike, right? So I, 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 you, this is going to be a pretty good test for this defense if their offensive line works out. If their offensive line doesn't work out, it's not going to make any difference what those skill players do. I hope that we do a better job managing him outside the pocket than we did Jalen Hurts in that Philly game because, and I know they yanked Hurts and gave us, you know, a mercy win to end the season. But I don't know about you guys, but that kind of scared the hell out of me, the way how inept we looked against a mobile quarterback. Um, so that's, that's a little concerning. Um, I think they're going to have to like make him pay when he, when he does go off schedule we need him in the dirt a couple of times and muscles uniform and his hair up so that he maybe he thinks twice about taking off and trying to go downfield on us. Um, and if we don't do that, then I think we could be in some trouble. I, I just don't know. And we have questions at defensive back also. So who knows what's going to happen there? <clears throat> Something I'm noticing a lot of. Um, I'm looking, I'm just kind of glancing back at his game log here. He did. He did pretty well against some good defenses, but I think talking to uh, – looking at your stats lying to you, Bob, I think um, – and I'm not – I guess he's a really good quarterback. Don't get me wrong here, but I'm looking at Buffalo, at Buffalo, 31 for 52 for 316 yards passing. 52 pass attempts against arguably one of the best defenses in the league. He had a 59.6% passer rating. The next week, he went 37 of 49 against the Jets. 366 yards with a 75% passer rating. That's about as polar opposite as you can get, and it took him over 100 pass attempts across two weeks to average 300 yards passing. That's There's a lot there. Um 595 total passing uh, to pass attempts last year. And if you look, a lot of this was comebacks and it was garbage time. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but it was comebacks against New Orleans, ended up going to OT and losing it 30 to 27. Against the Chiefs, the second time they played them to end the season, overtime 23 to 20, threw for 311 yards. Denver, they lost 31 to 30 through for two. So he played some really good defenses, but, but I wonder how much of that sneaky stat is in there that almost like you said about Fitzpatrick, the old Kirk Cousins, you know, mantra, Kirk Cousins would throw for 4,500 yards, but how much of it was while the game mattered, you yeah. know, Herbert is going to be a good quarterback, I think, as long as he can stay healthy. So I, I'm not trying to poo poo him. But it all still comes back to what we talked about a minute ago, and that's he was doing this in the first year of his off of an offense, and he got better as the year went on. How's he going to start? Because ultimately, that's all that matters to us. All I care about is his first four quarters of the season. Yeah, because we don't see him again. <laughs> At least, and it'd be a long time to before we did. Oh yeah. So we've kind of talked about the, their offense and, and we've talked some about the defense. What do you guys think we, if you're Turner and um, Del Rio, what do you think the game plan is as far as attacking them? A good game plan. I think it's I, right I think, down the, sorry, go ahead, Paul. No, you go ahead. I'll go after you. I think it's right down the meat of the defense. Um, I'm looking at their talent. I had their, their depth chart up, and then it started playing ads, so I closed it. <clears throat> the best, the, the most of their talent on the defensive side of the ball lies outside of the numbers, in my opinion. Derwin James, because he's a versatile safety, 
Bosa and those guys. In the interior, I think we need to go right at them. A lot of Logan Thomas, a lot of Antonio Gibson, a lot of that middle of the field stuff. Get Derwin James to the outside. Don't try to beat both to the edge. Take the athleticism away from it. Try to control the line of scrimmage. Of course, you could say that about every game. I think personally, um, I really want to see this game run through Antonio Gibson. Um, I really think he needs to be the focal point of this offense, not only for this week, but I feel for the bulk of the season. Uh, From a newness standpoint, you know, we got Fitzpatrick. We talked about earlier how he hasn't played a lot in the preseason and maybe should have played a little bit more. I think Gibson gives us our biggest chance of success on Sunday. We got to win first down. We got to win second down. Uh, Last year with the Rams, excuse me, one of the things that um, I learned and read about in regards to Brandon Staley is that they were really aggressive on third down. Um, They rushed five or more people at a top 10 rate in the NFL. Um, And I think if we put ourselves in a situation where we're in a lot of third and longs, we're in trouble. Um, I I think Sunday's all about Antonio Gibson and keeping Justin Herbert on on the sideline, being a great spectator. Well, one thing that kind of supports that that idea is um, last year, now granted it's it's a different coaching staff as we talked about, but as far as the talent that was on board, they were ninth, their defense was ninth against the path and it was 18th against the rush. So going back to what Derek was talking about, pounding that middle, working that middle would seem to be a better plan than trying to beat them on the edge uh, with a lot of passing. But, and I do, I do hope that we pound the ball and that we, you know, maybe we only have 25 to 30 passes in the game, I think, and a lot of rushing. I just, my only caveat to that is, I've seen a lot of games where we we just look one, we look very predictable at the start of the game and we run the running back into the left tackle three times and punt. And then we do that three or four more series. And then the next thing you know, we're down by 10 points or 14 points and then all bets are off. So I want them to pound the ball. I, I wouldn't be unhappy if we saw them take some deep, some shots early, like, and I'm not saying post patterns, but maybe some crossing routes, um, because I think if we can, if we can, if we can have a legitimate threat, passing threat, then that's when Gibson's gonna gonna really make some hay. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We want to make sure that you don't miss out on any future BGO Blind Pig podcasts on our YouTube channel. Simply hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to BGO Blind Pig via Apple Podcasts or another podcast provider, go to our description page and click that follow button. Couldn't agree more. Um, I hope we don't. This is. To go back to what you guys were talking about earlier, this is Scott Turner's coming out party. It's time to show up, buddy. You know, we're in this thing now. It's time to scheme your way into a victory as opposed to holding on for dear life and uh, hoping something breaks right by Terry McLaurin breaking three tackles and beating the entire team to the end zone for a 70-yard touchdown. They have some skill on the outside. They have a lot. Derwin James is a good player. A really good player. Guy's an all-pro style type safety. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr. is another one. I don't see us having the playmakers on either side of the ball to look at them and get into a shootout and try to win this football game. Because then you're just hoping that Justin Herbert rookies or does what second-year players do in struggles. And I don't think that that's a recipe for winning. I think we're going to need to make things happen, but I think we're going to have to do it smart. It's not going to be multiple shots downfield. It's not going to be 30 crazy attempts and you just hope three of them hit and that's 21 points. And that's how you win the football game. So are harder on Scott Turner than I think I am. I kept thinking about last year with Turner. Think how the offense looked with, Taylor Heineke starting against Tampa versus how it looked with Dwayne playing or Alex taking a three yard check down on third and eight 
over and over and over. I don't think we have any idea what Scott Turner's offense is going to look like or what it's capable of doing because we haven't seen it. I think he's been making the best he can with Dwayne Haskins, who shouldn't have been starting in the NFL, with Alex, who was a hero, but probably shouldn't have been starting in the NFL because he couldn't move and he couldn't throw it more than 15, 20 yards um, effectively anymore. Um, the only offense I've seen from Scott Turner that I'm sort of feeling good about is the way he looked with Heineke. That offense looked pretty dynamic. Taylor was going down the field. He was checking it out. He was running zone read stuff, all the kinds of things that kind of make an offense dynamic these days. I don't know that Ryan's going to run a whole lot of that stuff, but I think that Scott actually can use his, his whole toolbox in this game. He's got a guy, NFL quarterback with a strong arm who knows how to read defenses we haven't seen that from Turner before, and neither has uh, San Diego. Neither has, um, what's his name, the defensive coordinator. He hasn't seen what Scott Turner can do with a legit quarterback either. So I'm, I'm a little more or, or up on Turner and the possibilities that I'm hearing from some of you guys. By the way, how long was I cut off on there, my technical difficulties? I was in the middle of a rant. I don't know. <laughs> we didn't hear it, man. Yeah. It was really good. It was timeless. Probably the best stuff you've ever done. Unbelievable. Uh, so most of the, yeah, all right. So most of you guys have, have talked about, you know, what you want to see on the offensive side of the ball. I want to talk about the defensive side of the ball. If I could write the script for Sunday, they get the ball first. And, and, and I want, I want Jack to unleash the dogs. I, I want to go after them early and often i want to bring an extra man every single play to start this game i want herbert to end up either in the dirt or throwing the ball out of bounds i want three and out and i want herbert to know that it is going to be a long damn day and he's going to have burgundy helmets in his face until the ref blows the final whistle and i want the offensive coordinator to stand there and go what the hell am I going to do the next time we get the ball? That's what I want to see. And, and, and none of this, none of this, let's see what they're going to do stuff. I want Jack to bring the guys out and say, this is the way we're going to play today. This is what we're going to do. And they're going to spend the rest of the day responding to us. I don't even want to know whether my guys can cover until we're into the middle of the second quarter, because we've been just so dominant up front. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked at ad, ad nauseum about how weak their offensive line looks, at least on paper. I would, I, I really want to see a game plan that tries to exploit what I see as that weakness. Now, granted, Jack may look at tape of them and go, this offensive line isn't that weak. We're going to do something else. And I, I you know, I, to quote you, Derek, Jack's forgotten more football than I'll ever know. Um, so, you know, I got to trust that, but I want this defense to just go Neanderthal on these guys. Well, the other not let up. My only comment to that, and I agree, I want to see pressure. But just to play devil's advocate here, Jack could look at this and say, "My four guys can beat their five guys, and they're going to do it consistently enough that I don't need to bring extra people." So while they have the playmakers, I can afford to drop people back. Let my four you know, the trenches and control it. And we can make his life a living hell and not give him an ability, an outlet. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. He may say that, but, but, you know, my thought process here is that opening drive. I don't want to take any chances. Believe me, I, I err on the side I of the I don't aggression. want Herbert to come out and hit a really nice two, three, four passes in a row and get his legs under him. Rhythm. Yeah. He hasn't played. He hasn't right. played a competitive down of NFL football since the last week of December. I don't want him to get all excited after, after three or four plays and feel like he's picking up right where he left off. I want him to wonder if he's ever played this game before. <laughs> I'm a long time since. We know he, he's prone to cough it up. So that's the other reason to unleash the dogs is because you fumbled eight times last year. Let's make it 25 this year. I mean, and, and I think like Mark was talking about how good he is outside of the pocket and on the off schedule stuff. That's why you've got to do um, what Bob's describing, which is you've got to get hands on him and you didn't dump his face in the dirt a couple of times so that he thinks twice about um, taking off every chance he gets. 
Um, he's not the only one, man. I would love to see some press coverage on the outside where the where the the cornerbacks just positively stood up and popped wide receivers in the mouth at the line of scrimmage, you know, to to start the play. I would just love to see all out aggression from the defense to start this game. You want to settle down later and and play a more strategic match. That's fine, but I, I would just really like to see something uh, almost prehistoric in terms of. You know, just absolute violence. <laughs> I don't know. What, what did Doc Walkers used to say? That guy's got some dog in him. You want to see the yeah, dog exactly. in him? Exactly. Gronk, get quarterback. <laughs> exactly. That's it. No, I'm, I, I'm with you. I was just playing devil's advocate. I want to see pressure. I want to see pressure. I want to see the shots on both sides of the ball. Make them forget, you know, take them off guard. Let's, let's, let's be offense, on offense for a change. And I don't mean on offense literally. I mean, why don't let's let's set the tone and control the narrative of the game instead of hoping somebody sleeps on us. How about we just be better than them? So, Derek, you mentioned that, um, or somebody mentioned that um, Herbert had not played in front of a live fan yet. Well, Sunday, the last I heard, they're very close to a sellout, like a real sellout. And one thing we know this time, it's not going to be a bunch of Chargers fans. Because there ain't a lot of Chargers fans on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. So um, that could be really interesting if it turns out to be this full stadium of really fired up fans. I think that could be a big factor. Yeah, and if we get a couple – we get a sack or two in that first drive and Chase Young makes a play and somebody swats a ball and we really get the fans involved, that could could set a tone. Here's something that I predict and that we should watch for. We're talking about being aggressive and attacking. I agree. I think a lot of what Jack is going to try to do is going to be pre-snap. I think he's going to try to get in the head of this rookie offensive coordinator and this center who has never started a game with this line and this young quarterback. I think you're going to see guys shifting and dancing at the line pre-snap, trying to make Herbert audible out of whatever he's in. Um, whether we send someone extra or not, I don't think we're going to be, we may just send four or five. We've got four really good rushers, but I think you're going to be lots of shifting in games before the snap. Watch for that. I'll, that's one of the things I'll be making notes about while we're, while we're, uh, preparing for our pod Monday night. Now I have to take notes. Some dumb. Damn it, Mark. <laughs> no, I do that when I'm when I'm planning to to comment on games, Bob. I've always done this. I just keep a piece of paper and just jot down impressions, just one word things, two word things, and I can go back the next day and look at it. And most of it's garbage, but there'll be a couple of things in there that I that I can flesh out and find interesting to talk about. Mostly because my memory is bad, and I'm not going to remember unless I write it down. So I just want to say one thing in defense of Dustin Hopkins. Um, <laughs> He's a pretty decent kicker. So I get a little, I, I don't know. I get a little, uh, I feel sorry for Dustin sometimes. I know he's not, he's not made every kick, but <clears throat> we keep letting kickers go and then they work out their issues with other teams. Um, Graham Dino. <clears throat> uh, but one thing I wanted to mention is that the Chargers actually fired their place kicker and they brought in a guy named Tristan Vizcaino, who's a new starter. And this guy's bounced around the league like, a bunch of different teams and has never really stuck. He's got three NFL career kicks. He made all of them. I think, uh, <laughs> nevertheless, I think um, I'd be more worried about my kicker if I was a Chargers fan than a Washington fan. I just want to throw that out there. I'm with you on Dustin. I think, I think it, at some point we're going to have to stick with the guy. If he misses three or four game winning field goals in the first half of the season, that's a different story, but I think we need to let that play out. He's strong on, on kickoffs, and he seems to be a stand-up guy. The team's teammates seem to like him. I agree. Hold on to the guy until we have to get rid of him. Did anybody notice they signed a kicker to the practice squad? Mm-hmm. I saw that. Yeah. I would say that, that that right there is notice to Mr. Hopkins. And they may have done it for no other reason than that. I don't know. But, but that certainly spoke volumes to me. Ron, Ron was asked about it, but I don't, I don't buy it. I'm yeah. Not. Ron said it was COVID pro- pro- protection. I'm but. sure Dustin noticed. <laughs> I'm sure. He did. John, well, there's usually, critical. there's usually a second kicker in camp. If nothing else to, to spare the starter, all the kickoff coverage drills, right. To give the guy a break. And also 
so they can have someone available if our guy goes down and gets hurt they can bring him back quick so sure in camp yeah but i i don't remember the last time i saw anybody sign a kicker to the practice squad last year last year every team had one maybe it's covid because they expanded the practice squad right there yeah there's almost almost available. every team almost every team had one because god forbid your kicker pops positive on thursday you can't get somebody in the building fast enough after the protocol and the to to isolate so you had to have somebody on the practice squad who and you want a guy who's activated. worked with right yeah. you want a guy who's worked with your holder and your snapper and who's i got a uniform that fits already so john i've been critical of hopkins and believe me i don't want hopkins to get rushed rush out of town i'd prefer him to be our kicker long term because it means he doesn't suck but my always my argument was always bring in competition bring in somebody to push him you know I've heard there's been rumors and talks. I've heard it on the on on the radio numerous times that there was some issue with his misses. There's noticeable issues on film with the snap. Yeah, there's timing issues where uh, the holder would bring their hand up and the, and the cadence would be just off, which Hopkins would start leaning and he wouldn't be able to go yet, and then it would get snapped and he's trying to recover and it caused a misstep in his kick so for what it's worth you can take that read into that what you want to read into it i guess it makes sense he's been he's been kicking a ball that's been snapped by the same guy for how many years now so you could i can see that argument but still you need to burn the midnight oil with with cheeseman our guy our that's man right. cheeseman he needs to be ready right that, that's it's right. for real on sunday that's it all right so, so. Our, our 30 minute pod is now is now pushing an hour <laughs> an hour because <laughs> you know just like five guys at the bar we can't shut up after oh, a couple extra rounds is it, is it around the horn prediction time or do we yeah we can do that i have one more nugget that i actually highlighted on my notes the washington football team has allowed 20 points or fewer in seven straight games which is the longest streak in the nfl right now including against the super bowl champions is that is that right uh is that just regular season i didn't see that for what was yeah i think i can't remember what they what tampa scored on us at this point but point being towards down the stretch that defense was really good whether or not they can pick right up there i don't know i just uh, tampa tampa won 31 23 yeah i thought tampa was worse but I just hope all the preseason hype and rankings are not, you know, in their head because we've seen that before too. Yep. I will say, and I've commented on the chat, sorry, one more thing. I was impressed. All of the starters, including captains, Chase Young, Fitzpatrick, all of them wore their pads for the entirety of the game. And that includes the third game that they knew they weren't even playing in. Something stupid and small that I took note of that just tells that that I will say I'm proud of the culture, because how many times do you see a guy play his, his four snaps and then he goes and changes in the shorts and he's got the bucket hat on and he's over sitting on the bench laughing and joking it up? Chase Young is in full pads and in gear on the sideline cheering on Kyle Allen in the fourth quarter of the game against the Ravens yep. down 41 and 10. engaged. The whole team appears to be engaged. Well, that's a breath of fresh air. And no oh. one has pinched Ron Rivera's nipple so far, so that's it. <laughs> Refreshing. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. All right. Around the horn. I'm going to go left to right. Paul, you're to my left if I'm looking at my screen. What's going to happen on Sunday? Quick synopsis so, and then a final score. So you're you're going to see a very tight game that's going to come down, I think, to the last five minutes. Um, you know, that seems to be standard operating procedure for us. Uh, what we can't afford to do is we can't go down – 10 to 14 points like we often did a year ago and start chasing the game. Um, like I said, I think if we, it, it, if we control the game with Antonio Gibson, I think we're going to put ourselves in a position to win the game on a late Dustin Hopkins field goal. And I think he's going to silence many of his doubters to a certain extent. Um, I think we can pull this game off 23, 20. All right, Bob, you're next. Should we be taking note? 23 to 20. 
<laughs> throw it up on a whiteboard somewhere <laughs> you know i don't i don't think it's that close um you know i've been listening to everything we've said about about the chargers and i just can't see there's any way that this team comes out as a cohesive ready to go unit not having taken a single preseason snap together i just i just don't i don't know i i i'm hoping my team doesn't look at it that way but um i'm seeing something more like 24 to 10 Washington, um, you know, with a, with a big day by the defense, you know, almost as maybe probably not as many sacks as we got against the Eagles last year, but certainly, uh, you know, a strong showing. Mark or Bob final score. You said 24, 21 to 10, 24, 10, 24, 10. All right, Mark. So to me, openers are, are a complete crapshoot, right? You don't know what to expect on, on, on both sides this time. There's, there's new players, new schemes, particularly on their side. Uh, I see these two teams as, as relatively evenly matched. They have some good skill players, as do we. Um, when, I, when I see two relatively even teams, I always, anybody who's known me for a long time knows I come, I default back to the quarterbacks. It's a quarterback league. Part of the rant I had before was about Justin Herbert. I, from what I have seen, this guy is a stud. He's the real deal. And I think, and in all other things being equal game, I think if it goes sandlot, I think he makes a couple of big plays. And I just got a funny feeling. Maybe it's 20 years of Redskins slash WFT getting my hopes dashed year after year but I'm having a hard time seeing us keeping this kid down in this one. I see them winning it on a Justin Herbert final drive kind of thing. I don't know, score, make it, you know, 2017. All right, John, what do you got? So first of all, it's going to be the most raucous FedEx field crowd we've seen in five years, which is going to be a big deal. <clears throat> I think they know, I think Rivera, damn well knows what Herbert can do. And I think for that reason, when you, when you have a guy like that, that you think can beat you almost on his own, what you do is you don't give him the ball. And so to not give him the ball, what that means is we're going to ram the ball down their throat and we're going to have some long clock eating drives. I think we'll, um, we're going to try to double up the time of possession battle and the defense is going to score a touchdown on top of that. And we're going to win 24 to 13. 24 to 13. And we will still be worried about the passing game on Monday when we talk about the Giants. <laughs> All right. I, I was negative. I had a lot of concerns about the, pre, the preseason. I had a lot of frustrations. But I think ultimately, I think we figure it out. Um, for some reason, I feel like this is the type of offense, and this is what I said I didn't think we should do, but I think this is the type of offense that Turner and company are going to they're going to take a lot of shots and I don't, by shots, I don't necessarily mean fly routes all the time, but they're going to look at it and say, if we can hit two or three big plays, we can set ourselves up to score more points than they do. Now that whether that's a touchdown or a 45 yard pass or a 27 yard deep out on first down that to try to take a defense by uh, catch them off guard. I think their offense is going to struggle. And I think their offense is going to struggle because I don't think they're going to be on the same page. I could see us – I'm going to go 27, Washington 27. I'm going to go Chargers 17. I think they get it together in the fourth quarter and they put up 10 points. I think they looked – I think they looked frazzled for the first half of the game, first half to half, three quarters. Um, I can't believe I'm picking us to win by 10 because there's no reason for me to think that we'd ever be capable of that. But I, I – with – Herbert not playing in the preseason, half their starters not playing, new offense. I just can't see a recipe. We're in a position where our strength can exploit their weakness, and we haven't done this for so long. It's about time it happened. You know what I mean? And we've, we haven't had a, a unit like our defense that has been good enough that people look at and they say this is going to be a problem for 60 minutes. And I think we make it a problem. And I think that's where maybe two turnovers even, you know, maybe uh, 
maybe a Landon Collins fumble, forced fumble recovered or or an interception by um by curl or something off a of Chase Young pressure, you know. Two turnovers lead to uh short fields and we get a couple couple scores that way. So I'm going 27-17. Big opening statement for the Washington football team week 1. Good. I like your guys attitude. We need it. We, we need do. it because it's all uphill from here. Yeah. We get a chance to start the season 2-0 and if we do that. I mean, the Giants, we, we're all going to pick pick us to beat the Giants. I know we are. We need we need to start 2-0. Um, John, John didn't look – John didn't look – I just know what the Giants do to us, man. I just have – I mean, I want – we'll talk about it on Monday. But <laughs> and I know Paul's feeling me on it. Joe Absolutely. Judge. Joe Judge. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, it's been fun. Uh, just a little side note. If anybody's on Twitter, go check out sideline, at sidelines underscore WFT. They shared a um, Washington football fan base pods featuring, oh, my God, one, two, three. There's probably 30, 35 podcasts on this list here. Um, and uh, throwing some money to hog farmers to uh, grow some of the uh, the charity out there. Those guys do some good work. Some of them are, I know some of the, some of them are ambassadors, but those, from everything I know, those guys do good work. So sorry we for did, the shameless we plug. We did make I a have, donation, by the way, Derek. Uh, BGO made a donation to hog farmers last week of $200 for pediatric great. cancer patients. So I, I have absolutely no connection to anybody there beyond just the Twitter following. There's been no, you know, they haven't, they haven't given BGO a thing. It's just a cool thing. And there's a bunch of good people out there that are, football related in Washington football fans. And we're kind of all in this thing together. So go check it out. Good night guys. All right, gentlemen. Hail. Hail to the team. (laughs) Thanks for listening to BGO blind pig. Join us next time as we once again, dive into the ups and downs of DC football fandom. And don't forget to check out our incredible community of Washington football fans at www.bgobsession.com.